Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. So this is going to be our unofficial somewhat last episode of the year. We are taking a little break for December, but we will be back in your podcast feeds on December 20th for our end of season recap. I mentioned this last time, but this is where we kind of look back at the year, see what themes stood out, see what kind of the biggest moments of the year were. It's always really fun to look back on these. And just learn from what happened this year. But because of that, this is our last like normal episode of the year. Yeah. And I mean, you're not going to miss us too much because we will continue having our Getting Candid artist interviews that are going to be coming out on Sundays. So like those will still be on the feed. We won't be too far away from y'all. We'll always be on we'll social media. We'll still be media. on Instagram. We'll still be <laughs> yeah. posting fangirl stuff on Instagram. Yeah, because I'm sure more fangirl stuff is going to be happening because it's inevitable. Barry Keoghan is never going to get over being in Saltburn with Jacob Elordi. So <laughs> <laughs> we never will either. And Jenna is also coming to New York. So we will have lots of like IRL bestie content <laughs> up on so the So true. Feed. So true, bestie. So true, bestie. <laughs> Speaking of episodes in between now and then, currently at this very moment, at the time you are listening to this, we do have an episode on our Patreon about Saltburn. It is full of spoilers. It is Sarah and I reacting to it the second she got home from the movie theater. It is on our Patreon at patreon.com slash name three songs available for whatever you can pay between one and $10 a month. You get access to all of our past episodes, but Saltburn is obviously very important because we've been talking about this nonstop (laughs) and we probably will not stop talking about it within the next month. So (laughs) if you haven't already seen it, you need to. Yeah, it's like very pop culturally important to anybody who was on Tumblr in the year of our Lord 2007, anybody who had a crush on Alex Turner, anybody who was actively existing in 2007, and anybody who like likes a fucking trippy movie. Like, yes, it's for, it's it's there's something for everybody. It's like, I understand movies aren't for everybody. But like, if you ever wanted to deeply understand what Harry Styles meant when he said that Don't Worry Darling was a movie that felt like a movie go see saltburn <laughs> i will just say i'm glad sarah and i had this very deep conversation before saltburn came out because if you guys have if you guys have picked this up on the podcast at all i like never go to the movie theater i go maybe twice a year when i'm forced by my family i don't care about movies they mean nothing to me everything changed when i watched bottoms by myself at home and i was like this is i didn't have the reaction that sarah had yeah. and then i was like i feel like i missed out so much and sarah was like some movies you just have to see in the movie theater and it's like i went to see bar Barbie in the movie theater and it was a whole experience and if I would have watched Barbie by myself at home I probably wouldn't have had as good of a time and so then I was like is this what Harry Styles meant when you said (laughs) some movies feel like a movie and she was like yes that's what he meant (laughs) and we had this conversation before Saltburn even came out like literally day like literally probably three days before Saltburn came out 
So we do talk about that in our fangirl nonsense. We talk a little bit about everything, honestly. We t- we asked you guys like what you were fangirling about, so we went over that. Jenna talks a bit about Jungkook and how his album came out and he finally had to go through his military enlistment, so he's going to be off doing that. And then we get a little bit serious, unfortunately, at the end of the episode and talking about what has been going on with P. Diddy and all of the lawsuits that have been filed against him and kind of how just like women are realizing that they don't have to be as afraid of men anymore. So there is there is like a positive spin to it because we always find the positive spin wherever we can. But we have a lot to discuss today. Timestamps for everything will be on our Instagram stories. If you want to hear us talk about Saltburn, it will be on Patreon. If you want to hear us do Spotify Wrapped, it'll be on Patreon. Come hang out with us on Instagram. We're never going to be too far away. And with all that, let us do our fangirl nonsense. We do have something that I think is deeply funny that also Isabella sent to us on Instagram DMs to talk about. And I was like, yes, we absolutely will be talking about this, which is that the Twilight director said she would cast Jenna Ortega and Jacob Elordi as Bella and Edward if she made the film today. Okay, but... I feel like this is unfair because she was interviewed by Josh Horowitz, who is like a well-known film interviewer, and he led her. He was like, oh, like if you were going to remake it, like you would have to star like Jacob Elordi and Jenna Ortega, right? And she was like, oh, yes. (laughs) And so it's like, she's never had the thought a day in her life. She's never once been like oh like it wasn't an original thought yeah Yeah. like it just has never been like i've never believed less that this is something that this woman has thought about she was just like sure that sounds great yeah (laughs) like they had a conversation like it continued like they discussed it but i'm also just like i don't know to me it's like both robert pattinson and kristen stewart yes had careers before twilight but twilight was really what catapulted them into fame and so they were relatively unknown before this yeah and so i think that a lot of the charm about twilight was like you weren't showing up being there because your favorite was in it you were there because you were a fan of twilight or because you were intrigued about the conversation happening about these two new stars or whatever the case was and so i feel like jacob alordi and jenna ortega it just feels wrong but also like i just don't think anyone like like the spider monkey thing would be like i'm a giraffe monkey like i don't (laughs) like you just like have to be like carrying her around like one of his pocketbooks she's so small and he's so big and i just feel like it would be jarringly uncomfortable it's just like so deeply upsetting to consider this (laughs) like I like there's so many implications here but like Chris <laughs> like Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart were both so deeply 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 awkward in this film and like some of it yeah. was the character and I think some of it was just them, just them. Yeah. but it's just like the entire high art of Twilight like the cultural moment like the te- like just all of it can never be recreated never, yeah so it's also it's one of, I guess this is how people feel about reboots of sorts I'm just like it can never be the same and like we sometimes should just leave things in the past and let them be that like if if yeah. if this was ever to be remade it should be done in like another 40 years from now so that it's like yeah a different generation can have it right not like us but i do think yeah. it's like i like picturing these two as these characters is so fucking weird because like obviously jenna orcatega can do weird because like she did wednesday adams but like that character feels just so perfect to her that i feel like if she did bella it would feel like be- it would feel like wednesday yeah. adams trying to play bella and then yeah. like jacob Allure, i can't even i can't even picture him as vampire no like jacob Allure vampire i can't 
it's not matching in my head. He's like the facial structure that could like pull it off. His filmography is too vast, I think, to play a role like this. And I think when there is a role where you need to believe that they are Edward Cullen, like you can't have somebody who is deeply known as somebody yeah. else. Yeah. But it is funnier because like I just saw the tweet and like that was it. But then when Sarah told me that like, no, this exact character phrasing was handed to the director and she was just like, sure. <laughs> I was like, it, this means nothing. Now it just means nothing. Now it's just a joke. Like, yeah. Cause I just feel like coming from somebody who like, like, obviously, I'm not making movies, but like somebody who like takes photos or does things. It's just like a, once a piece of art is made, I'm not like deeply thinking about how I could have made it better with a different band. Right. right. And so it's like, why would she be thinking about, oh, how I don't know. I like she she has other jobs. Like, she's not like I just like can't imagine her sitting at home see, seeing Jacob Elordi and be like, wow, he'd be such a good Edward Cullen. No. Like, who th- like, that's not but, what anybody but- has. You know who did do that? <laughs> Emerald Fennell casting <laughs> casting for Saltburn. Oh my god. Okay, like Emerald Fennell is so accidentally funny in everything that she does because like her lack of like self-awareness as a posh person is like so apparent in every interview she does because in talking about like casting Barry and Jacob, I'm like, you sound <laughs> Like, I know she's complimenting them, but it sounds like she's, like, bullying Barry and being, like, <laughs> I met Jacob and was, like, so He's deeply drawn yeah, drawn to him that then when he just, like, <laughs> randomly showed up to, to audition for my movie, I was, like, He's perfect. And meanwhile, she's, like, yeah, I met Barry and I knew he was this twisted little freak. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, also compliment? She's like, he's just, like, such an energetic actor. Like, I'm like, no, you met him and you're like, that's a twisted little freak. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it feels like she's saying. Oh, my God. That's Harry Styles writing that one song. (laughs) Is it it called Little Freak? Yes. And the opening is like, calling her somebody a Jezebel? Yeah. Yes. Anyways, that was a weird moment that exists that I try not to think about, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is really funny the way she was like and he's just the type of person that i love to meet <laughs> and i was like maybe like, she's the people collector like in the movie we were talking about the oh sorry spoiler it's not really a spoiler we we're just talking about people who are people collectors that's what it was giving <laughs> i'm like anybody who meets jacob Bellorty, i would assume would be like oh this is the type of person i like to meet <laughs> <laughs> I would meet him over and over and over again if I could. I would meet him for the first time so many times. Like, he's just like so angelic. And I'm like, okay, Emerald. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I know. It was kind of starting to be like, maybe Jacob is the character. Like, Jacob is Felix. So that's the thing that I do find quite interesting is it's like every character in Saltburn is like a little bit evil in like their own way. And like they, they, most of them are unaware of the evil that they have because of the way that they live because of how rich they are and how privileged they are. And so I feel like the good naturedness of Jacob Elordi that gives you the vibes that like if he had an apple, a deer would eat it from his hand. Right. Like he gave that to Felix. And that's why Felix was so easy to like fall in love with as yeah. a viewer and yeah. like as a character in the film. And so I can see like the parallels between them, even in watching the interviews that he has done. 
like the video interviews that he's done like the like softness and the like okay, lovingness you, you want to know what this is making me think of what the way emerald talks about him and the way that we're talking about him now and the way that he's been presenting in a lot of these interviews is very much giving how we feel about harry styles what like perfect <laughs> perfect, <laughs> perfect no angel boy who can do no wrong <laughs> No, but I mean in the sense of like a charming, charismatic person, like somebody yes. that any anyone would love to meet, <laughs> somebody <laughs> that somebody that can charm anyone and can yeah. dazzle a room, and it feels like the same energy that Jacob Elordi brings. But then also, like in interviews, he's super like calm and like passive, and that feels like Harry also. Yeah, like just the type of person that people want to be around. It's one of those things where my initial thought is he deeply wants everybody to love him, but it's not going to bother him if they don't. I don't know how to better explain it because I don't think he's going to just like do things because people want him to. I think I sent you this TikTok where there was a TikTok he's talking to an interviewer and he just like got distracted because there was like a like, hair. Oh, there's a hair. And yeah, he was like playing he, like, with the hair. And he just like he like gently like took it off in the middle of like, like answering the question. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I would melt into a puddle and do anything this man asked me to if he did that. <laughs> if he was like, oh, there's like some fuzz on you, I'd be like, like I think I would just like lose all composure. And so I'm just like I'm trying to figure out like what that personality trait is because it's not people pleasers the wrong thing, but like it feels no. similar to it. It's very warm. Yeah, but it also is giving, like, your friend's mom who you, like, really want to be around. Endearing. Yeah, maybe. It just feels like a warm cup of tea. Yes. <laughs> like, that's Jacob Elordi. But I feel like that's what Harry Styles, like, Like, I don't think that been. Harry Styles would give me a blanket and sit me in front of a hot fire and, like, make sure I was but okay. Jacob Elordi would. <laughs> Jacob Elordi would. <laughs> wow. I can't believe we get to sit here and think about these nuances. It is a gift. Like, not to be, like, too parasocial about it, but it's just, like, it's really interesting watching. And, like, we joked about it last week. We joked about it in the Patreon episode about Saltburn, about just, like, the chemistry between Barry and Jacob and how it, like, overlaps into real life and, like, the caring kind of energy between them. It honestly just feels like watching two people in love and, like, I don't know how well, else to explain Emma it. Emerald Fennell also said that when they, when she got them together in a room, they just immediately like yeah, clicked. clicked. Yeah. So we have a lot of tweets about <laughs> what's been going on between them because Barry Kogan is just like going so hard on his Instagram story <laughs> to the point that he's maybe, he's maybe in love and Jacob is maybe not calling him back. <laughs> The tweet that Jenna and I have been losing our minds about was one that said, many may be queer baiting, but it seems like Barry Keoghan has an actual girlish crush on Jacob Elordi. And somebody quote tweeted it with a bunch of screen grabs of Barry Keoghan's Instagram stories. And they wrote like, oh my God, be subtle in regards to his crush. Because the series of screenshots are a video of like a reel that Barry shared of him and Jacob doing an interview and Barry's commentary is I look so young and it was literally only seven months ago Bay, and then tags Jacob Elordi and then the next one is a picture of Barry and Jacob like clearly having a sleepover and it looks like Barry's <laughs> in like a matching set like it's it's actually just like his outfit from the party. I think it's scene, with the costumes, yeah. But it looks like they're having a sleepover. Yes, in it the does. Way that the photos are. It yes. looks like Barry's wearing like a matching set of like Christmas pajamas, pajamas and, ja 
<laughs> Jacob's like just showed up from like lacrosse practice to like hook up with his girlfriend. <laughs> and so Barry posts this with like no text. And then he posts another photo from the same set of photos that says miss you bro with like a heart. And oh my God, it's at Jacob Alorty. <laughs> and then the fourth <laughs> screen grab <laughs> is just like a, he posted a tweet of like a dance off that says name of famous historic battle and then J- and then Barry writes when he said he's seen step up and like a laugh emoji and then tags Jacob Alorty so clearly it's like an inside joke that he wants Jacob Alorty to like text he's, him about he's, he's putting Jacob up so bad he's putting everything on fucking blast and like these series of screenshots happen within five hours of each other. <laughs> Jacob is the one who's like oh my god fucking be subtle (laughs) he's like i know we're in love but like calm down (laughs) my other no my other favorite one is that like barry posted something on his instagram he posted like a series of photos like now that we've seen more like screen stills and stuff like that he posted like a series of photos on his instagram story and then like not even an hour later posted the same (laughs) photo on his fucking feed and i'm like this man is like this movie's the best thing to ever happen to me And his entire personality is this movie. Because, like, this, like... (laughs) I don't blame him. But it's just, like, it's so funny because I feel like what girl hasn't aggressively posted Instagram stories because the boy they like is not texting them back. (laughs) It's, like, that is literally what it looks like he's doing. And it's just so funny. It's It's, so funny. It's so deeply funny. Because Jacob Elordi is nowhere to be found. (laughs) And, like, I don't know how it is for actors. I just feel like maybe once the movie's out, it's like their mind is kind of elsewhere doing other things so the fact that he's like posting this much about it is hilarious but i mean jacob did post a set of photos that he like took on film from being on set and he's posted like some instagram stories but not in the same vein of as barry where barry's posting like inside jokes and like stuff from his camera roll there was meanwhile jacob's posting like actual promo but there was like a really cute photo that jacob took of barry that he had in well also okay let's start this in jacob's swipe through the first photo is a photo of barry and rosamond on set so like that's the front cover of it and then you swipe through and there's this really cute photo that he took of barry and i'm like that's only a photo that somebody in love with somebody else but it just looks like a photo that like you would take of your boyfriend where you're like lovingly looking at him like wow that you look so cute right now babe and then you like snap the pic do you see how far his eyes are up in his head it's because he was looking at jacob somebody else took this photo (laughs) but other funny tweets we saw he's literally gonna kill himself when this press tour is over (laughs) if it were up to him saltburn would have been a gay love story and i think it should have been that I love it. It's so funny though. Did anyone lie? No, nobody lied. The other one was proud Salpern lover. Like, yeah, sometimes a hot boy with a cigarette and an eyebrow piercing will make you go insane. That's life, babe. (laughs) This is literally Sarah Fagan. It's literally me. I've been losing my mind because I was like, I couldn't put my finger on exactly why I was completely losing my shit about Jacob Elordi in this movie other than like I've always had a he weird like thing for early eyebrow era piercings Turner. but he looks like early era Alex Turner yeah like literally like this is the archetype of why I was like I must move to England yeah <laughs> which is like so embarrassing because like where is the fashion where is the taste yeah nowhere to be seen it's okay it was indie slays babe I know but it's just there was so no funny. fashion to be found in indie slays <laughs> because like when you think about it too I'm like oh that's also how like the character that Nicholas Holt played in Skins dress 
dressed like that's how they all dress it's like every like skinny british boy i had a crush on in 2007 was wearing like a tommy hilfiger yeah. fucking polo shirt yeah. and baggy jeans with like a belt that was doing nothing for them yes. and had like <laughs> a mix between like a mod haircut and the brit pop mop and i was yes. like please let me yes. lick your face <laughs> yes and like it's so funny to see how closely that aesthetic was to like the pop punk <laughs> the pop punk like alternative indie boy bander like they're not that yeah. far off from each other it's just like same thing different font especially the haircuts but i am very like very here for the mod the 60s mod haircuts and i think every man should get one of those <laughs> yeah no i i like like whatever this in between is that feels like they could be in a brit pop band but they also could be mick jagger and like yeah i don't know what's happening here i mean harry I had one before it. it was great it was beautiful I will also say there have been paparazzi photos of Nicholas Galatine and Anne Hathaway filming The Idea of You, which is based on a book, which is like loosely based on Harry Styles, essentially. And Sarah, would you just like please explain the plot? Because I think that everyone who's listening needs to be paying attention to what's going on. Yeah. So you guys like lived under a rock in 2020. Like this Me. book was this book like was published in like 2017 or 2018 but like it, a bunch of people started reading it in 2020 because i think the author had mentioned that it was loosely based off of harry styles and like it was during harry styles fever or whatever but it's basically based off of this like sophisticated french divorcee woman who has like a young teen daughter who's like obsessed with this boy band and so they go to see the boy band at a festival and she meets the singer of this band who is like based on harry styles and they have like a tour and love affair like they run off together and they like fall in love and it's like sexy and whatever and it's very much just like an older woman's fantasy about Harry Styles falling in love with her which like isn't that hard of a fantasy to have since Harry Styles because, always is running yes. off with older women which I like love that for him but yeah so Anne Hathaway and Nicholas Galatine are playing those two roles and I just think it's funny because Jenna has been losing her mind about Nicholas Galatine and like Nicholas Galatine has three looks which is like all American bro, gay royal, or <laughs> singer, annoying or singer, singer. <laughs> annoying singer, like which is just like theater kid who like has enough talent to write his own music. Yes, and then like every now and again he does like something high fashion and we're like this is the hottest man we've ever seen yes. I'm losing my absolute mind about this. But for some reason, when he's playing like a any hot of those characters. Critic, <laughs> but like he's supposed to be playing like a hot British singer and these photos are giving oh I picked him up outside Kappa Beta Zeta. <laughs> <laughs> Something about him is a little bit too all-American. I'm like give him the 60s mod haircut and it will solve all of our problems. Please yes. I am begging his stylist give him a 60s mod haircut and it will solve all of our problems. But anyways, we've gotten basically two different sets of photos from this. One where they're like aggressively making out and the Which other where they're not. just walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. The other where they're walking down the street. But I'm like, this is so deeply upsetting because like what? We grew up with Anne Hathaway being Mia Thermopolis. Like she is so yeah. important. And the fact that she's making out with like <laughs> my favorite it boy. This is like, this is for me. <laughs> She's doing it for me personally. I just think it's funny though. Cause like the makeout photos look so hot. And then like when they're walking, I'm like, this is, they're filming two different movies. I'm like, <laughs> this is literally <laughs> Harry Styles' life. I'm like, she looks so hot and he's just there. Yeah. He's just there. <laughs> She's Barbie. He's just there. It's so jarring. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, 
what is happening here? I did want to read out. I asked on our Instagram what Isabel uh, submitted the thing about Twilight. And then I asked who else had fangirl nonsense they wanted to share. So we did get a few other submissions on our Instagram. So I wanted to read a few of them. Julia said, Noah Khan, Maisie Peters, and Olivia Rodrigo inspiring each other and covering each other's songs. I think that this is so cool because it's very wholesome, but it's also really cool because it just shows how insular like music is, even when things feel like they're kind of disconnected because obviously six season by Noah Khan was like a huge thing on TikTok and everybody was covering it and doing their own versions, whatever, what have you. And Maisie Peters covered it. And so apparently Olivia Rodrigo is a fan of Maisie saw her cover. And then when she did BBC live lounge was like, Oh my God, I want to cover this song too because I love Maisie's version so she covered it and then Noah Khan like lost his shit and then when Noah Khan did BBC Live Lounge he covered Lacey by Olivia Rodrigo and then later in an interview he was asked like if he knew like how this all came to be and so the interviewer was telling him about like the Olivia to Maisie like connection and he was like that's crazy because when I was writing this album I was really inspired by Maisie's style of writing and so when I saw her cover my song like that was really touching to me because he like stitched it and he was like so the fact that Olivia was inspired by Maisie, who I was also inspired by. I was like, creativity and these creative people are just like living in a circle. (laughs) It's just like, it's so crazy. Everybody's so interconnected, even without them even realizing. And I was like, this is so beautiful. I know. I know. It feels very wholesome for them to all just be like supporting each other like that. Yeah. Full circle moment. I just like love when everybody's like kind of a fangirl of everybody else. I know that there have been multiple artists who've like gone to the live lounge and like purposely covered each other, but I feel like Lizzo and Harry did this. Yeah, they did. Yeah, very cute. The other submission we got was from Louisa, who said, what was your, what are you fangirling about recently? She says, Cornelia Snow from The Hunger Games, which like, okay, so I have not seen this. I'm going to be honest. I did not know this was, co- I did not know this was happening, period. Then when Saltburn started happening around Thanksgiving time, I realized that Hunger Games was also happening, which I guess also is just a lot of because of like SAG strike stuff. Yeah. And I also just like never pay attention to movies, so I don't know what's going on, but They've been on my For You page a decent amount. The actors have. But I feel like, Sarah, they've been even more on your For You page. (laughs) And the thing that I thought was funny was the one that I saw was, like, this interviewer. She was talking to Rachel Tom, the actor and actress for this movie. And she was saying to Rachel, she was like, oh, my God, how do you feel that Tom's about to be the Internet's boyfriend? And Rachel was like, oh, my God, right? Like, I've been thinking about it. Like, he's so perfect. Blah, 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 blah. She starts going off. Like, they're in front of Tom. Like, Tom is there. They're, like, joking about how Tom is about to be the internet's boyfriend which like clearly my internet boyfriend is already taken but whatever i'm like how do we feel about this personally he's not for me but like has he been in other things or i've i think that this is like his first like big movie so this is like a big deal but also like hunger games is obviously part of like a huge cultural thing and so it's really funny because i'm seeing all these videos on my for you page of people like dissecting the hunger games and talking about hunger games lore and like i love it so i'm watching all of them but then there's also people like thirsting over him and then being like i understand like this is my toxic boyfriend like we hate him but also he's everything and so it's just really funny because these girls are like so self-aware and yet they're posting these thirst edits about this man who like is why everything that happened in the hunger games happened because his character 
is President Snow. And so they're just like, I understand that he's evil. I understand that he killed a bunch of people. I understand, like, this is all his fault. But also, have you seen him? And it's so funny. So my next piece of news, I am going to be talking about Jungkook. It's a little bit of fangirl nonsense, but also a little bit of seriousness. But also, I think for our last episode of the year, I'll put something up on our Instagram asking for, like, your favorite moment of the year or your biggest fangirl moment of the year. So be on the lookout for that in December because I want to collect a bunch of people's thoughts and be able to all share them on our last episode. But getting into Jungkook today, as you guys know, I did not have a we did not have a Jungkook fangirl meltdown when Golden came out. I honestly have been so busy my personal life and I feel like I've let you all down as a fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) Deadass though. I just like was not plugged in on Twitter. I was not plugged in on TikTok. I was not getting Jungkook content. Like I'm aware that things happened. Like I'm aware he did his performance in like Times Square and stuff. But like I just like wasn't super plugged in or like talking about it with anyone. So like going back and visiting things retroactively is really difficult because obviously before this he had seven and he had 3D. I think those are two of the best songs on the album so I think it's really like I'm really happy that like he led with those singles and I think it sparked Mm -hmm. a lot of those conversations very early in this album so that by the time we got to the rest of the album people weren't so surprised with like the direction he took yeah because the lead single from this was like standing next to you was like very mature very sexy very like Michael Jackson like honestly like mature dressed up kind of way was very sexy was a lot of hip thrusting like there was things happening but i think it was less shocking given fucking you seven days a week and also (laughs) i want to see it in 3d in motion it was very much less shocking so it is interesting that they 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 start they went out the gates with all the way sexy and then kind of toned it back that's what they always do though that's that's like the archetype there we go yeah and so my thoughts on this album are like the first half of the album I loved. There's a song on here called Yes or No. To me, this type of song is one of the best type of pop songs to ever exist. It's very like Jesse McCartney, like pop, but like a little bit R&B. And I love it so much. And like every so often in K-pop, we'll get a song like this, like from this era, like early 2000s. And I eat it up because it is my favorite thing ever. Yeah, but in Jenna's notes, she was like, this was written by Ed Sheeran. And as soon as she's as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, I fucking hear it. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it was unfortunately in part written by Ed Sheeran. But I'm going to ignore that because this is the most perfect song to ever exist. It is a really it is a really good song, but it was just funny because I was listening to it and I was like, this sounds familiar. Like, this is good. And then I saw the note and I was like, that's why it sounds familiar. Like, weirdly, the first half of the album is all like super upbeat, like pop music. And the second half of the album is very much Little Things. by Ed Sheeran. This is not for me. The second half of the album is not for me. Like Jungkook has an incredible voice. Jungkook is incredible at everything he does. He has an inc- he's an t- incredibly talented singer. But mm-hmm. the second half of this album is not for me. But the song that like stands out to me the most in this section is called Hate You. And it's in part written by Shawn Mendes. And to me, it sounds like Shawn Mendes singing about Camilo Cabello. And I can't not yeah, think that every time I listen to it. It does. But it also just like, because it's like most of the time when these K-pop artists sing songs in English, it's just like, it feels like their song. But this feels like he doesn't know what the words mean. Like, I don't know how to better explain that. Yeah. I mean, so Jungkook doesn't have any writing credits on this album. And he spoke about how specifically he wanted to make like a, a western pop album like as a challenge for himself and he's expressed a desire to explore many different genres and this kind of being like the first thing that he 
went for as a challenge. And it's true that he's not completely fluent in English. And like he was on Jimmy Fallon and he'll speak in English when he can, but a lot of times he'll speak in Korean because he can better express his thoughts. So I think, you know, he probably had to work with like a vocal coach and even maybe a English teacher on pronunciation stuff. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he spoke about that in interviews or not, but I think he took it on like as a challenge. So like, it's very possible that he's singing music technically rather than emotionally. Yeah. I mean, I would have to listen to like the whole album, but just like in comparison to that yes or no song where it feels like he's like in it, like this one feels a bit just like he was given a song and he's singing it. Yeah. So that's the album, right? But we did just have literally just like day after Thanksgiving, a gift to us day after Thanksgiving, right? Justin Timberlake hops on the remix of 3D, which like, you know how I feel about Justin Timberlake because we just did like an episode about this specifically, but it makes it makes sense. Like uh, as much yeah. as we cannot like Justin Timberlake, it makes sense because he was the archetype, right? But it also feels like another move to try and like win favor with a group of girls that might not know anything about him. I don't think so. I think that this man is calculated as shit. I don't. Well, I didn't see him promoting it. Like I, I mean, it could be that he did, but I just feel like in the past, with like for example, when Benny Blanco worked with a few members of BTS, he was promoting the shit out of that. Like he was like, I'm. He was being a fangirl. Like it was very yeah. obvious that he cared very deeply about that. I didn't see Justin Timberlake promoting this. I'm not sure if he did or not, but like, like, I don't know how much he really cared about this. Like, I think it's, yeah, I think he's trying to still be relevant, but also. I'm not saying that, like, I think that he deeply cared about it. I think that his team was like, Justin, get on this song to like, keep you relevant and like, maybe curry favor with some girlies who don't hate you. Right. And he's like, sure. So that's what they maybe thought, but that's not necessarily what happens because in the lyrics, (laughs) this man says, Jung and JT on the main now. You can still find me in a drop top with the top down, but I got so many lanes now. That's like a reference to one of his previous songs. But he said Jung. That's not his name. His name is Jungkook. And then like, also, you should have just said JK and JT on the main now. Like, none of it makes sense. And then people were, basically people were clowning him being like, this is so millennial of him to be like, just call him Jung. Like, that's not his name. But also, why did anyone approve this? Like, why did Hybe approve yeah. this? It's weird. It's like calling him half yeah. a name. And I don't even want to say that it's a nickname because like Korean nicknames don't really work this way. It's just like half of his name. But it's like he he goes by JK, doesn't he? All the time. Yeah, so that's what I don't get. It's like it was fucking right there. Yeah, it's weird. I honestly think most fans didn't care. Like, I really didn't see a big commotion about this whatsoever. But the ones who I did see talking about it were like, why is he being like this? Like, that was so unnecessary. I do think it's interesting that they haven't put Justin Bieber and JK on a song together because I think their voices would sound incredible. And I think Justin Bieber is yeah. also an extremely incredible singer because Jungkook recently did a song with The Kid Leroy and Central C. And it was very yeah. good. The Kid Leroy isn't under Scooter Braun anymore or like isn't under Ithaca Holdings. He left a while ago, yeah. but Justin Bieber obviously is maybe, maybe still is. But I think like Hybe has that relationship with the Kid Leroy because he was previously under Ithaca Holdings. So I think it's interesting that they haven't put Justin Bieber on a collab with Jungkook or like BTS in any manner. And yeah. I think it's kind of a Justin Bieber thing. Like I think he's just not doing a lot right now and doesn't really want to be in the spotlight right now and i think if they are at any point ever going to do a collab 
like it would have to be very intentional because I don't think Justin Bieber is just going to throw around collabs. Yeah. So Jungkook, after he's kind of like did his promo cycle for this in America and everything, he did like a few concerts in Seoul for fans. They're always very emotional. He always has long speeches. And then very soon after the concerts ended, basically there's four members of BTS who remain to enlist for the military. It's Jungkook, Jimin, V, and RM. And then the three older members, Jin, J-Hope, and Suga, have already enlisted. They're already doing their military service. And HYBE has said that their goal is to reunite BTS in the year 2025. And the military enlistment, I think it's it's approximately a year half. In order for that to happen, like a lot of fans were kind of already doing the math of like in order for them to all be reunited in 2025, the four of them would have to enlist by the end of this year. And so they all had kind of been doing some solo promotions. Like the other members were also still doing stuff, even though Jungkook was very much having his moments. And so what once the concert was done, they announced the final four members are going to go to enlist. And so that means like for, for like, this is pretty big because like fans have been expecting this for a long time, but all seven members will be in the military together at the same time. And mm-hmm. I expect that maybe there might still be some content from them that comes out like stuff that they've pre-filmed or like are planning to release maybe even while they're in there because Mm -hmm. since they quote unquote since they quote unquote went on hiatus or like had their little break like it's been non-stop content from rotating various members but this is like pretty big for all of them to like actually finally be going to military service and so with this jungkook took to weverse because we know our boy jungkook loves army so dearly much that he will go on live stream completely naked sleeping in bed and working out and cooking meals for us this is the essay that he wrote to armies (laughs) dear armies it's already the end of november it's very windy i'm sure you'll all know so i'm writing a short letter to you In December, I'll start a new journey. I'm leaving you for a while to serve in the military. As I share this news, I feel heavy on one hand, and on the other hand, I'm reminded of my precious memories with ARMY, so my heart warms up. Every moment I've spent with you has been the brightest time of my life. ARMY's laughter, support, and love led me to this point. (laughs) Thank you so much for supporting my dream and walking with me silently. I'm careful to tell you to wait for me while I'm in the military. A year and a half is a long time, so I can't say anything selfish. I promise that I'll be back on stage with a more mature side where I always am. I hope ARMY's lives will be full of laughter and happiness. I hope you fill in ARMY's daily life healthily and beautifully. I'll miss you deeply while waiting for the day we meet again and talk about something new. Don't get sick and stay healthy. I love you. Can, like, a real man write me that letter? This is literally, like, when will my husband return from war? (laughs) It's literally literally giving that. So I just wanted to call that out as, like, Jungkook's continued love for ARMY lives on, even though he will be in the ARMY. Oh, my God. I love his, like, deep dedication to the fans. Like, it's honestly admirable, and I feel like I've never once seen anybody act like this ever. Well, number one, I think it's, like, quite nice that he was, like, able to, like, put out this music, have this moment, and then, like, in his note, he's like, I'm gonna come back more mature. So it will be interesting to see, like, where his music goes following this time that he spends... Following I Wanna Fuck You Seven Days a Week. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see, like, how this, like, a, like military service, like, affects him and, like, what he wants to put out into the world. Yeah. Because, like, we've talked about, like, in our Justified Syndrome episode, like, a lot of the time they have, like, that one album and then, like, after that, it, they kind of, like, pull yeah. back and yeah. don't do it again unless you're Zayn Malik. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. But outside of fangirl nonsense, we do have some serious news that I did want to talk about, at least briefly, because I thought that this was really interesting. And we have talked in the past about how we've seen a lot of, like, landmark trials and, like, cases happening in regards to, like, women seeking justice for men treating them badly. And so last week, we had the instance of Cassie filing a lawsuit against P. Diddy with allegations about rape and other like acts of sexual assault against her and this came at like a very interesting time because like if anybody pays attention to p diddy like there have been years and years of bad behavior coming from him and lots of like allegations and nothing ever really being done because he is so powerful in music and a couple weeks ago we like replayed like our exploitative men in music episode and like p diddy's behavior is very reminiscent of both phil specter and tommy Mottola in regards to like he got in a relationship with cassie when she was quite young and kind of like used his power and influence to control her in a lot of ways and like this was known and also not known but basically like on November 16th it came out that Cassie had filed this lawsuit against P. Diddy and it was like very very extensive and like very disturbing like what she alleged that he did and like some of the accusations included physical abuse sex trafficking costume quote freak offs with male prostitutes and even him allegedly bombing Kid Cudi's car is like one of the accusations as well that she filed against him. And it was interesting because like on TikTok, I was seeing a lot of videos of people resurfacing stuff, including an interview with 50 Cent where he said that P. Diddy had sent him one of the videos of Cassie basically being fucked by a man that wasn't P. Diddy and like P. Diddy watching it. And like, it's apparently, and like, this isn't the world that I live in. I've just been like aware like slightly aware of like P. Diddy being somebody you don't mess with. But it was like very known that like he would have these like freak off parties, which like he would have girls have sex with male prostitutes in front of like him and his friends Mm. and they would film it and like pass it around. But basically like the lawsuit was like a lawsuit for maybe like less than 48 hours and they settled the lawsuit out of court. And I think a lot of it was for P. Diddy trying to save his own ass, which I find very very interesting and very telling because literally like i said like the first article drops on the 16th the next article is the next news piece of news about this is the 17th 
And uh, Ben Cesario for the New York Times wrote that the parties announced on Friday evening that they had reached an agreement to resolve the case, though they disclosed no details about the terms of the settlement. And uh, Cassie's statement said, I have decided to resolve this matter amicably on terms that I have some level of control. I want to thank my family, fans, and lawyers for their unwavering support. And then P. Diddy's statement was, we have decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Love. So, like, essentially, settling immediately after all this came out means he paid her off, right? For, like, to not have to go to court. And, I mean, I think, you know, uh, we've talked about this before in cases where abuse comes up and things go to court is, like, number one, like, this sounds like there was overwhelmingly a lot of potential evidence, which could very well lead him to be very guilty. But I think court is very complicated in that we've talked about this before. We've talked about what happened with Amber Heard, what Megan Thee Stallion went through, even though Megan Thee Stallion won her case, she's still being dragged through the mud, like on the internet, in the media. I think it's very difficult for survivors of sexual assault to have to relive all of these things and relive it very publicly to the point that for their own personal peace, it's sometimes not worth it. And all of the money that goes into having to pay a lawyer to go to court. It always makes sense why people settle out of court. But like Sarah and I were talking about this before and it just like the fact that it happened so quickly makes him so extremely look, guilty. Yeah, look, like it, look, it look makes very him look guilty. so guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the the one thing that I found really interesting in Ben's article for the New York Times is that he wrote, for Mr. Combs, the settlement quickly shuts down what could have been a risky and potentially embarrassing process of legal discovery in which reams of evidence are made public and a possible trial. And then he said for Miss Ventura, which is Cassie's last name, who has already aired her accusations through a public complaint, she avoids a cross-examination by Combs's attorney. So like Jenna said, it's like she would have had to have relived all of this stuff, which like obviously she was willing to do to get the justice that she wanted. But from what we know about like legal cases and celebrity legal legal cases and all this stuff. Like what I'm assuming happened is like, she got a large settlement because he was like the whole time that they were in a relationship, like he was in control of her assets and her money. Like she could not do anything without his permission. Like he controlled everything. And like, she has like a new life. She's married to a new man. Like she's moved on. And like, I'm sure that because she was so young, like when they got involved, like I'm sure there was like a crazy prenup that she signed where she probably didn't get a lot of what she deserved for like being in a relationship with him and putting up with his behavior. And so I'm sure that like in this settlement, like she got a decent amount of money, but also like the protection of knowing that like she'll be safe from him. And he probably got the protection of yeah. a, like some sort of NDA that she signed and his reputation. Yeah. His reputation, but also just like not even having to deal with potentially going to jail. Yeah. Because like from what I saw on TikTok of journalists and like creators that are in the hip hop space and like fans of this kind of music, like it seems like a lot of them have been aware for years of P. Diddy's bad behavior. And it seems like this is something that people who are outspoken about have a lot of people come after them for being outspoken about, which I find really interesting. But I feel like, again, this is, feels very reminiscent of Johnny Depp in regards yeah. to like how fans react to these situations because it, a lot of these people were like, we've been waiting for this day to come. Well, also in thinking of this is a thing that people have been talking about. I also saw like when this was coming out, we also had articles 
and I there's one specifically for Rolling Stone by uh, Andre Guy kind of going over like the history of controversies and allegations. But this journalist writes, Combs has attempted to rebrand himself as Brother Love in recent years, even changing his middle name to Love, but he has a prolonged history of violence dating back to the 90s. He's never been convicted of a serious crime, but has repeatedly been accused of having violent encounters with everyone from exes Ventura and Gina Hewen to executive Steve Stout and rappers like J. Cole and Drake, which, ooh, interesting. But the, the thing that I kept seeing in on Twitter headlines was him trying to rebrand himself to Brother Love. And I feel like that's even more like preparing for the reckoning situation. And honestly, if we wanted to do a deep dive, we probably could, but it feels like there's been a lot of men in recent, very recent time period who have like felt like maybe something was going to happen to them and have started rebranding themselves. And I mean, this happened because like there was all those allegations with Russell Brand that came out a few months ago and then like kind of disappeared. Like I haven't heard anything about them, but right before they came out, he started leaning. What was it? He started leaning super right wing. Yeah. Like like he's been doing for protection. Yeah. He's been doing that for like a year or two and it's like, he definitely knew something was happening. And also Russell Simmons, like, ran away to like Bali or somewhere like that when he knew a reckoning was coming and he just like essentially started a cult really which is like similar to Russell Brand they start to position themselves as like close to a god in like their own weird way when something weird is well, happening also, well also positioning themselves close to other men yes specifically for protection but I mean I don't know with P- with P. Diddy, I don't know details about like how I just the only thing that I have to go off is that he was cha- like changing his name to love and calling himself brother love. I don't know, like in this instance, if he was positioning himself closely to other men, but that's just what it feels like from what I heard about like Russell Brand and also like that comedian guy, Rife somebody. Oh, Matt Rife. Yeah. Matt Rife. Yeah. I mean, a lot of weird shit's been happening, but I mean, also with P. Diddy, like it was clear that he was expecting something because in September, Aubrey O'Day, who was in the group Danny Kane, which formed on like making the band, which is like a reality show on MTV that P. Diddy like put together a girl group. She went on a podcast. So basically, Aubrey, uh, during this interview, was talking about how P. Diddy reached out to basically everybody that had been signed to his label, Bad Boy. And was like, I'm going to give you guys back publishing of your songs, which Aubrey said in this interview, like that, like in the day and age of streaming and like what these songs are worth, like these people would only really be making like maybe a couple hundred bucks from getting this back. But part of getting this back was that you had to sign an NDA that you would never disparage P. Diddy. So like you couldn't speak ill of him or like talk about anything bad that he did. And she's just like, it's not worth it. And so she texted everybody like in Danny Kane and I think like half of them did not sign the NDA and the other half did to like get this money and she's like I'm not gonna sign that like it's not worth it like I'd rather be able to speak out about him than like get this back so I think it also is interesting that she said that like this happened relatively recently so like she said in the interview that she got the NDA sent to her like a couple of months prior so this probably happened in like April or May of 2023 so like of this year and it's just like insane because it feels like he's been preparing for a couple of years now for people to come out of the woodwork and be like this man's not good and I think it's kind of in what we've talked about in past episodes on our podcast of like a lot of women are 
feeling more empowered to stand up against their alleged abusers or bad situations and stand up for themselves and like seeing positive outcomes from doing so. And that probably put fear in a lot of men's souls. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so in following of like the Cassie settlement, like there were a a lot of these like reporters that I was speaking about and like people on TikTok that I follow were saying like, we can probably expect to hear a couple more of these right now. And I was like, why would we hear more? There was a Jane Doe that came forward with some allegations about P. Diddy, like literally on Thanksgiving. And apparently this is well, and this is all happening because in New York, they had passed last year, the Adult Survivors Act, which was created to enable victims of sexual abuse who are 18 or older at the time of the alleged abuse, a one-time opportunity to file civil lawsuits against individual people or institutions, even though the statute of limitations had run out. So like a lot of people have come forward with allegations against people. We've even seen suits filed against former Governor Cuomo and the current mayor of New York, Eric Adams, because people were just like, we need to get these in. Like time is running out. We have this opportunity. Like, let's take it. New York is trying to like extend this law so that more people are able to do this. And like in 2019, they even expanded the statute of limitations to 20 years for both civil and criminal cases, some of which involving sex crimes. So, like, this was very much something where, like, there was a timer and people were probably, like, just gaining the personal strength over the past year to come forward with the allegations that they had against people, especially the fact that three people in, like, very powerful places in the former governor, the current mayor, and fucking P. Diddy are, like, having all these allegations come out against them. And so I think, like... It just goes to show that, like, if you give people who have, like, had to live with whatever it was that happened to them, like, if you give them that time to, like, live with it and then be like, you can still come forward about this, like, they might be in, like, a safer environment, a safer space, a more empowered space to come forward and talk about it without fear of retaliation. I mean, a lot of this stuff would have happened in like the 90s and 2000s and it's like yeah at that time for someone to come forward is a very very different situation culturally than it is now yeah no 100 percent. and so i mean i guess we'll see like if he settles that case too or what the deal will be in the coming days or weeks yeah. but it is just interesting that it feels very much like he was preparing for some sort of reckoning and it all kind of coincided with this act being passed because i don't know that just feels like somebody's like very aware of the skeletons in their closet but i felt like it was really important just to talk about this and like make people aware of something that was happening like kind of a little bit outside of the normal people that we would talk about on the podcast because like this is something that is allegedly happened to a woman and something horrible that happens to women every single day and when we see people standing up to men in places of power but also in places of fame like I feel like that can help a lot of like everyday people who are dealing with the same sort of situations be like well if they can come forward about fucking p diddy i can come forward about my shitty ex-husband or whatever yeah and i i mean and i you know i hate to say it because i just went on a rant about how going to court is really difficult but like the more cases that go to court and are ruled in favor of survivors like that's also going to help shift culture yeah a hundred percent like the more women we see win these sort of situations whether that be settlements or actual court cases 
the more likely it is to like shift behavior because men realize that there will be consequences to their alleged actions and that is always a nice icing on the cake when people have consequences to their actions because a lot of time people are too afraid to do anything about it and i think that it just is a really good sign that people are being given the opportunity to come forward right. and that it's been success like successful enough that new york is talking about extending the opportunity for people to be able to do this yeah i feel like also just the way that the music industry i mean society but the music industry has shifted like i'm sure there are still like manipulative people in positions of power but it feels like it's not as corrupt as it was in like the 90s and the 2000s and i think you know we kind of hit on this in our radio show a bit too of like artists have a little bit more power being able to get their music out on their own and being able to have a platform for themselves without necessarily having to get caught in a record deal or having to quote unquote be discovered so it's not to say that like Corruption doesn't exist, but I just think like in that era where everything was so gatekept that you couldn't do anything without having someone who had power, like it was a lot easier then for these types of things to happen. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And because it just went unchecked and nobody wanted to listen to women and whatever. So I think it'll be interesting to see even what happens 10, 20 years from now like if there was anything yeah. that, if there's anything in 10 years that comes out about somebody who was famous now like i feel yeah. like we'll hear it less yeah well i think also it's like we see a lot of younger fans of bands who have been taken advantage by people in bands being like i'm fucking tired of keeping my mouth right. shut i'm gonna talk about this and so i think like cases like this happening and seeing these women come out on top when it comes to like people who are like super famous for then somebody to be like, Oh yeah. Jesse Lacey made me watch him masturbate on Skype in the year 2003. Like they right. feel more comfortable coming forward and talking about that because it's like, well, this thing happened to me too. And like, I don't right. want to right. not talk about it. And I don't yeah. like seeing him succeed or whatever the case is, you know? But yeah. So I just thought this was important to talk about, even though we've been like kind of being silly goofy. <laughs> for like the past couple of episodes which has been like a nice reprieve from everything that's been going on so if you guys have any thoughts or feelings or like know more about p diddy and like what's been going on i'd love to talk to y'all about that and if you have any fangirl nonsense and finally saw salt burn because we did put a poll on our instagram stories and not enough of you have seen it yet and even more of you are like maybe i'm not even going to see it which like guys be real (laughs) go see it and slide in our dms because we always want to talk we are at name three songs on all social media platforms if you have any beef grievances love you would like to send either of our way individually i'm at sarah underscore fagan on all social media platforms and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs and until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember, you're never too cool to listen to Jungkook. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit namethreesongs.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.